Let's go to the word of the Lord this morning, shall we? And let us pray. Father, would you help us understand and discern your word and discern what you're calling us as your people to do? That, Father God, we're a royal priesthood, a people ready, preserved in this earth to be salt and light. You've equipped us now. May we respond in the proper fashion under the anointing of your spirit. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are salting our sermons throughout the year on prayer and how to position ourselves in prayer, how to become passionate in prayer, and to be developing a prayer culture among us. Last week, Pastor Ron spoke on the priesthood of believers. One of the best sermons I've heard on the priesthood of believers. If you haven't heard it, you need to go to the website and listen to it. I'm following up on that this morning, and he gave you a good definition of what it is to be the priesthood of believers. And so this morning, what I want to bring to you is a practical application of being the priesthood of the Lord Jesus. And in the middle of that term, practical, is to act. We're to act on the priesthood that we have. It's not any good, it does no one any good for us to have a title or a badge and not do anything with it. Amen? Amen. And so we have to act on being the priesthood of God. Peter tells us, quoting Old Testament Scripture, that we are a holy priesthood and we're to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Now, one of the wonderful things is that our lives have become acceptable to God because of Christ Jesus, not because of any merit of our own or any of our abilities or any of our works, but we're acceptable to God because of the blood of Jesus shed for us. And that is a perfect work, a completed work we don't add to. But Now that we're acceptable to God, brought into the kingdom, washed in the blood, now we are to act as mediators and priests unto God through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You with me? Amen. Amen. So we are to be priests to everyone wherever we go. And I like what David said in his prayer when they were... Uh, bringing the coronation to Solomon, his son, as king, and they were bringing the offerings to finally build the temple to God, David prayed this prayer and he said this, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Priests understand they don't offer anything of their own, but they take the holy things of God and offer them back to God. That's what we do. We've been given this salvation and everything in it was given to us by God. He gifts us with His gifts. He graces us with His grace. He empowers us with His power and we offer ourselves back using all that He's given us to give it back to Him. It's like when your child wants to make you a birthday card, they take the crayons that you provided on the construction paper that you bought with the scissors that you gave them that are rounded and not pointy, and they start drawing, and you help them draw and spell the words they don't know how to spell till they make a card and turn it over to you and say, here, I give this to you. And you go, it's beautiful. And that's what priests do. And you understand it all comes from Him and it all goes back to Him. And that's called love. 
that what He gives to us, we redound back to Him and give back to Him this love. And David understood this. David understood that God owned the cattle on a thousand hills, that they're going to sacrifice back to Him. David understood that all the gold he was taking and keeping and getting from other nations and people was from the earth that God created and God put together. The timbers and the lumber and everything he was, and the stone that he was going to build and put together in honor to God was really all from God. And God gave them safety as a nation called them out, and they were simply responding to God. A priesthood responds to God. That's who we are, that's what we do. In fact, what the priestly ministry is, is stewarding the blessings of God. That's what priests did in the Old Testament. To simplify it, the priests stewarded the blessings of God. You see, Israel was in covenant with Yahweh, with God. And in covenant with God, all that was His became theirs. All that is theirs becomes His. And so the priests were doing the job of stewarding all the blessings of belonging to God. And in the New Testament, you are stewarding all the grace of God to a dying world. We steward the blessings of God. Now, in the book of Malachi, you will read that entire book is a prophetic book against the Levitical priesthood and their failings. And there's uh, four little chapters that you need to read on your own. It would take me a good couple hours to go verse by verse through that. Today I'm going to give you an overview of its principles of being a priesthood. And so I want you to read tonight Malachi, but you better be ready for it, okay? It is a harsh rebuke. Why is God rebuking the priests? Because he's saying, I'm going to send a curse on you if you don't get it right. Because they're supposed to be stewarding the blessings. If you follow the law, you will be a blessed nation. If you obey all the principles I've given you, you will be blessed and highly favored. A light, a city on a hill, all will look to you. All other nations will be amazed at Israel. If you steward our relationship. If you don't, you'll walk outside of my blessing. And so the priests are to steward the blessings of God. It's no different than in a a democratic republic for the citizens to vote and, and keep track of their leadership so that we keep the blessings of a democratic republic. How's the priesthood been doing in that? Not too good. The church is the priests of a nation and we've not been speaking in the blessings of a nation. We've been silenced. We've been ridiculed. We've been set aside and our nation is failing. And so we have to steward the blessings of God. Freedom costs. Freedom takes a lot. I'm getting political. I'll get out of that now. But it's the same principle in Israel. The blessings of God, when when we're honoring God, we will walk in the blessings. Your household is under the blessing of God, if you're the priest of your household. But if you forfeited that position to the ideologies of this world and to voices outside of the authority of Scripture, cursing's coming into your house. 
And so priests are stewards of the blessings of God. And I'm going to break this down real simple to you. How to be the practical priesthood. Number one, they ministered to God. Number two, they maintained the things of God. And number three, they mediated the things of God. We're going to go with M's today. And so to be priests, I want to teach you how to minister to God, maintain the things of God, and mediate the things of God. Are you with me? All right, so let's learn how to do this. This follows right through the book of Malachi, and you'll see it. So let's start with how to minister to God. Number one, we minister unto His glory. We should be amazed at God. We should be overwhelmed at who He is. Pastor Ron shared uh, a life scripture with you of his own, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And so priests are to minister to God, first and, uh, and foremost. And we're to be amazed at God. And we're to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. A grateful heart. Priests always have a grateful heart. Priests always look to God in every situation. So you are a priesthood. You're a people. So when trouble comes, where do you look first? Boom, to God. Someone's got something critical to say to you. Where do you look first? Where do you get your identity from? God. Then you deal with the criticism. See if it's valuable, if it's worthwhile, something to learn. If it's not, you get your identity from God. Right? The enemy's going to buffet you. He's going to come against you. Where do you go first? God. You see, the concept of glorifying God is getting your eyes off of you. A priest takes his eyes off of himself and keeps them locked on God. The writer of Hebrews said that we're to cast off every sin that easily entangles us and fix our eyes on whom? Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Priests, fix their eyes on Jesus. We've got an election coming up. Where are we going to fix our eyes? Jesus. That doesn't solve our problem for this election, but it keeps us stable on Christ as the answer for whatever's going to come in this nation, right? All right, we fix our eyes on Christ. Priests fix their eyes on Christ. Someone comes to you, you get a bad report, someone is very ill, someone is very sick. What does the priest do? Fix his eyes on Jesus. Oh God, you come into a situation, you go, oh God. You get cut off in traffic, you don't give finger symbols, and you don't yell expletives, you go, oh Jesus. You go right to God, right? That tells you what you're focused on. When something interrupts your life and something comes out of you that's not Jesus, mm, you're on the wrong focus. But again, let me get back to this. Priests always focus on God. Some of you, many of you have gone through depression. Some of you have gone through anxiety. Many of you are going through difficult times. And if I could encourage you to do one thing to find your way out, you begin to worship God. You may not feel like it. It may not feel like it's something you can do. It's not something that you can muster up, but you have to begin getting your eyes off of you, getting your eyes off of your feelings, getting your eyes off of your problems, and begin to look to the one who is eternal, the one who is glorious, the one who is greater than life and death itself. You look to God. All of a sudden, the framework of your world begins to shift and change. And ministers understand this. So when they preach, when they speak, when they share with other people, their main goal is to do what? Get people to see God. And so that's the first thing. The second thing priests are to do 
And so, well, let me back up here. When you're in Malachi 2, um, God has a bit of a problem with the priests, and he says, your sacrifices really are smelly, stinky. They're really rotten. And he says, if you keep, I would prefer someone to shut the doors on the temple than for you to keep bringing me your sacrifices. And he said, I'm going to rub dung in your face. Now, that's not nice. I don't know if any of you have ever slipped on the lawn where a dog has done his duties and come close to that. that how many of you would want dung rubbed on your face? Uh, uh, atheists love to point out the Scripture and go, what a mean God, he's going to rub excrement in your face. The reason in context that Jesus says that is that what you're offering me is dung. You're offering me Lame and blind sacrifices, there is basically the refuse, they're the dung of your own flock, and that's what you're giving to me, and I'm going to give it right back to you. What if God treated us the way we treat Him? We're priests. Christ has got to be first in everything we do. We've got to establish Christ first in our hearts, Peter said. Set Him as King over your heart. So the first thing priests do is we, we, we worship Jesus, right? You're here this morning because you want to worship Jesus. You come out every chance you can for the body of Christ to worship Jesus. When you get to work, you find other Christians to worship Jesus. On your way there in your car, you turn on the radio to worship Jesus because the heart of the priest is first looking to God. Secondly, is the priests maintain his word. Malachi 1.7 says this, For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he's the messenger of the Lord of hosts. You have a ready defense, Peter says. Set him as king of your heart, having a ready defense, a ready to argument, an apologetic, to give to those who ask of you the hope that's within you. Priests maintain the word. Priests maintain instruction. And if you'll look throughout Scripture, much of Scripture in the Old Testament was written by the priests. They maintained the word of the Lord through the book of Leviticus, how to worship God. They maintained that order and how to properly do it. They instructed the people, this is how you worship God. They had the word of of advice in their heart and mind, how to worship God. They also had the history. The priests wrote the genealogies throughout the Old Testament. They kept, kept a record. How many of you have a testimony? Priests have a testimony. Does anybody here have a testimony? Is anybody here saved? Let me see hands of people saved because I'm getting nervous. Actually, I was getting excited because maybe we'll have a, get some people saved and get on fire. All right, so all of you have a testimony, don't you? Because you met Jesus. You're a priest after Jesus, and you are keeping the genealogy, the history, the story of Christ alive in this earth. Priests do that. They don't keep it locked up. They speak it. How many of you are priests? Okay, 14 of you. Good. They keep the prophetic discourses. They keep the words of the prophets. How many of you know Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Nehemiah, Ezra were all priests? And God speaks to the priests the prophetic word. How many of you have a prophetic word for somebody? Come on, I need participation here. Anybody got a prophetic word? No, I don't speak in the prophetic. Yes, you do. Can you edify? Can you exhort? Can you comfort? Can any of you edify somebody? Can any of you exhort somebody? 
Can any of you comfort somebody? Then I got a room full of prophet priests, okay? All right, so you're prophets. You begin to speak to people. You see people every day. How many of you see people? Almost every day I see someone troubled. Anybody? <coughs> Yesterday afternoon and we had a function here and I walked out the doors and as we walked out the doors, someone was walking across the street weeping and wailing. Someone had just died. You see someone everywhere you go. How many of you know that you're a priest? Why do you know, uh, and Ron covered this last week, how many of you know that priests wear special garments? And, and I've known some Protestant priests or pastors that wear the collar and, and the white thing. Do you know why? Because they're easily identified. And so many times they'll wear them on a trip when they're going through the airport or wherever else because whenever there's trouble, it gives them an in. Well, you have garments on right now. It's the Holy Spirit. And you need to wear them boldly so that wherever you go, you have an in into any trouble. Someone's crying, the priest goes to comfort. You don't ask, should I go, God? You're a priest of God. You're on call 24-7. How many of you know that? You thought it was just the pastor. No, it's you. I'm calling you tonight. That was a joke and everybody's like really scared. <laughs> How about when you call me to go visit someone, I say, you know what, did you visit them? You're the priest. You're the priest. We're the priest. I got nothing more than you got. We're the priest, and you're in the garments. So, Malachi, you guard the knowledge. Let's keep going. Okay. <sighs> songs and music. Where did all the psalms come from? The songs of worship that the priesthood Asaph and, and David and all those writers that wrote the songs of worship. Your creativity, priests. You're creative. You write. You, you speak. You sing. You dance. You present the word of the Lord of a ministry unto the Lord. Last of all, you explain the principles. So, ministry to God is worshiping Him, adoring Him, setting Him first, and holding His word and His truths and His revelations to a dying world. That's what priests do. Do I have a room full of priests? Are you ready to do these things? All right, this is a real practical application. So tomorrow when you go to work, you're a priest going to work. And as a priest, you're looking for where you can edify, comfort, and exhort. You don't turn the other way when there's a problem. You go to it because you're a priest. Because your eyes are on Jesus, you have a solution for every situation. Really simple solution is Jesus. But I don't know how he's going to fix it. You don't have to know how he's going to fix it. He knows how he's going to fix it. Do you have confidence in his ability to fix things? But we don't have all the answers. You don't have to have the answers. You're a priest. You bring people to God. You mediate. All right? You with me? All right. So you're ministering to God. The second point is maintenance. That's what the priests did. Now, one of the things the priests did in maintaining the stewardship of the sacred the stewardship of the sacred the stewardship of the blessings of god is they stewarded time for israel the priests would set an order to life according to god he said if you want to be blessed keep my timetable not the world's in fact the creation god said he created seasons and times for mankind how about that 
How about that he set up the solar system in such a way and the sun and the moon and the stars in such a way to benefit us? Now that's the love of God. Isn't that amazing? That he set these seasons in order. So God gave seven festivals to Israel and the priests were to keep them. And what were those festivals to do? Order the lives of the believers. They set their clocks around the seasons and purposes of God. How many of you have your clocks set for God? I know you got them set for work. And you got them set for church because you're here. But how many of your clocks are set every day for ministry unto God? Consider that people get coffee breaks at work, right? How many of you enjoy a coffee break at work? I liked it when I started working at GM. They had coffee breaks that were mandatory. You had to take coffee breaks. Union demanded coffee breaks. I don't need a coffee break. I don't drink coffee. You're taking a break. Stop your work. You're ta- I was told that a couple of times. <laughs> Put your tools down. You're taking a break. I was mandated to break. How many of you as priests are mandating the season over your life to take a break? God said you work six days, you take one from me. You need a day with me. And how many of us have lost sight of that? And how many of us are working round the clock, round the clock to get our bills paid, to get everything paid? If we're priests and we're out of the order of God's timing, we're not going to enjoy His blessings. Remember, priests steward blessings. I want you to get this concept. Because the priesthood, we think this is legalism, this is hard work, why are we doing all this? It's stewarding the blessings of God. Say it with me. Stewarding the blessings of God, everybody. Stewarding the blessings of God. One more time, half year and saying it. Stewarding the blessings of God. I missed her dress up one more time. Stewarding the blessings of God. Very good, thank you. You got to say it to remember it. And then you got to tell someone else. I'm a priest because I steward the blessings of God. Well, who are you to have the blessings of God? I'm a blood-bought child of God. He gave me every blessing in the book. And I'm going to apportion them as he bids me. Would you like one? Tell me what you need and I'll give you a promise. Because I'm a priest of the Most High God. So priests, we got to get our timetable right before we're going to try and let the world understand it used to be that Sunday was a day of rest, and because of Judaism, Saturday, the Sabbath, was a day of rest. Hey, the United States benefited. We got bonus. A Judeo-Christian ethic, we got Saturday and Sunday. This was cool. Who doesn't love that? So Christians play all day Saturday, and then they rest and focus on God all day Sunday. Kind of, sort of, used to be like that. Now we work on Saturday to get as much overtime as we can, And we go to church, and then we work on Sunday to catch up with everything we didn't do at our house. See, we've got to watch the times and the seasons. God gave times for the priests to mediate blessing. Half of us are stressed out with anxiety and stress because we're not looking to God and not setting our timetables for Him. We even have Sabbaths and days of rest. We understand that Christ is our Sabbath, but if you don't look to Him, you're not going to find that rest. Does that make sense to you? All right, so to maintain the blessings of God in your life, we also look to wealth. And that means God first. The reason you work, the reason you steward your time, the reason you put effort out is so that you can sustain your life. 
have a house, have a car, right? Have kids. And from there, it's a struggle to maintain an economy, isn't it? And all that finance and wealth. But remember what David prayed, that everything I'm giving to you, you gave to me. And so God says, I need the first fruits. Why are we paying God? We took an offering before I preached. Why are we paying God? If he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, he don't need no meat. He doesn't need food. What are we paying him for anyways? He's a high priest that never sleeps. He works overtime all the time. So we got to pay God his money. Why are we paying God money? We're not paying God money. God doesn't need our money. No. We're financing a building so that we can meet together and we want it to expand and bring the gospel to more people to get saved. That's why we're giving money. But even before that, we're setting our finance under his jurisdiction. That's the reason you apportion your finances. That's why you set apart in your heart what you're going to give unto the Lord. And the Old Testament was represented as a tithe, 10%. Where do you think they got the number 10 from? It represents the whole, okay? And so the concept is, if I apportion God's allotment first, then what I have left over is blessed because everything has become sacred. I've put God in my wealth. They were an agricultural society. They looked to God to bring good seasons, And they would, out of their crops and harvest, give God a portion so that their harvest and their crops would be sanctified and blessed. Why? Because they set it apart unto God. God says, don't let money rule you. You can't serve God and money. So what do you do? You put money under God in a very practical way. When you get your paycheck, you put it under God. How do I do that? Give him 50 cents. No, you give by faith, apportioned in agreement with Him. This is a working thing that His Holy Spirit's telling you about. Some of you don't do that, and may I say, then, your economy's not blessed. You're struggling, because can I tell you why? You're managing all your bills, everything on your own. How's that working for you? But if you would sanctify everything you own and all your wealth unto the Lord Jesus Christ by giving in proportion as he's told you to give, then everything that remains in your hand is blessed and everything begins to flow in the blessing of God. That's what priests do. Priests watch their time and priests watch their wealth. Okay, Okay. that's what God was talking to the, uh, Mal- and Malachi about. Guess what he said to them? You're robbing me. You're robbing me. You're not even giving properly and proportionately. Again, that's in Malachi, but let's go on. The third thing priests do is maintain their health and the health of their society. Where do you get that from? Well, they were the ones who determined who's clean and unclean. If someone had a sickness, they had to review it. The, the uh, priests were not only butchers, 
who learned how to cut meat and the sacrifices and cook the meat and sacrifice it and offer it to the people for their food and so forth. But also they were the physicians. They looked at sores if they were weeping or open and put them aside and said, you're unclean for this time. It wasn't sinful. Unclean doesn't mean sinful in that situation. Just in order to make sure disease didn't run rampant in the nation, they set them aside and put them in a ward where they would heal up. Leprosy, they had to evaluate and look at people who were lepers or leprous, and they would pray for them and see if they were getting healed or well. And that's what the priests do. Priests maintain their health. And they maintain the health of a nation. And we maintain the health. St. John Chrysostom said this, the Jewish priests had authority to release the body from leprosy, or rather, not to release it, but only to examine those who were already released. And you know how much the priests and their offices were contended for at that time. But our priests, he's talking about the New Testament, have received authority to deal not with bodily leprosy, but spiritual uncleanness. Not to pronounce it removed after examination, but actually and absolutely to take it away. What he's saying is the Old Testament priesthood evaluated if you were healthy and sick, if things were good with you. In the New Testament, Jesus said those sins you remit are remitted. Those who are are forgiven, forgiven. Those who are not, you need to let them know they're still in their sin. Priests deal with sin or spiritual leprosy. We call out spiritual sickness. We speak the blood of Jesus for complete healing and cleansing. But we also pray for the sick. We as priests lay hands on the sick. We believe they shall recover. And we're seeking God for people's health and well-being. I got any priests out there who care about the sick and dying world? All right, so we maintain the blessings of God. So priests, first of all, minister to God, unto Him, through worship, through prayer, and we sustain the Word of God for all to understand it, and we keep it among ourselves pure in the Word. And then we maintain these things in God. We maintain our time for God and the time for Israel, the wealth for God and the health of God. The nation needed this. How many of you know that? Without the priesthood, who do you think would keep track of the festivals? Who would keep track of the wealth, the well-being, and the health of the nation? Doesn't this make sense to you? You see, this is what the priests did. The average people, they needed men to fight wars and protect the borders and people to grow harvests and crops, and the priests took care of the time, the wealth, and the health to maintain the nation. That's what priests do. That's what the New Testament church does in the world today. You keep track of the times and the seasons that we're in. You speak a prophetic word to the world. You consider the wealth of the world, and you don't consider the world's wealth, but you give it unto God, and you consider the health and well-being of the people of God. And we offer health and well-being to a dying nation and a dying world. This is what priests do. This is the practical application. I'm glad that all of you now are going to watch the times and seasons of the Lord. You're going to watch your wealth and maintain it so that when the economy collapses, not if, when, you can't go with $17 trillion in debt and ever, ever, ever recover that. That will never be recovered. 
Somebody wake up this morning, nudge the person next to them, and they're in la-la land thinking America's okay. You'll never recover from that trillion of debt. So, but we know how to maintain our wealth because we're priests unto God and our wealth is covered by God and He's going to instruct us. And thirdly, my health is good. I don't eat like the world eats. (coughs) I'm not on the diet of what the world diets on. How many of you have seen the world's diet of entertainment? The filth, let me tell you something. I just got alerted to it while I was looking for... uh, uh, clip art for my powerpoints uh you thought pornography was bad when when on images of computers the next phase i'm being prophetic if i may the next phase is homosexual pornography you're going to see it everywhere everywhere you don't want to see it you're gonna see it everywhere where's the health of our mind the health of our souls we're going to have to start putting health restrictions around our eyes around what we're hearing Amen? All right, keep going, Tim. All right. Third, last part is mediation. We need to mediate. That's what priests do. Now, they minister unto God, keeping His Word, ministering worship and praise. They, uh, they maintain the time and the wealth and the health of the nation and themselves. And last of all, then they act and mediate on his behalf that's what you do because you're a priest and so first of all they mediate reconciliation so turn with me to second corinthians 5 18 to 20 those of you that have bibles priests always carry their bibles whether it's on your phone how many of you have a bible on your phone all right how many of you have smartphones your first app at the top of the list is a bible first app you have a smartphone, get a Bible app. Get a Bible app. All right? Half of you are looking like, what is a, what's a Bible app? <laughs> Look it up. Or bring your Bible. You can get a Bible 8x10, 2x4, 3x6. You can get a Bible any size. It'll fit inside your pocket, fit inside your purse. You can put it in your shoe. They make Bibles to fit anywhere. I made that up, so... Don't go to the store. I'd like a Bible for my shoe, please. All right. 2 Corinthians 5.18. Carry your Bibles, priests. The, one, the first reconciliation is to the lost. Paul says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What does He give us? The ministry of what? He gave us what? That's our ministry as priests. And so, that is, in Christ, God reconciled the world to Himself. He's talking about world, all mankind, to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Why is He not counting their sin against them? Because He put it all on Jesus. He dealt with sin. All right? This is many of you in your approach to winning sinners. You go to sinners and you say, you're in sin, and if you don't repent, you're going to hell. Could I encourage you to do something first? Could you, could, could you not consider their sin first and just say, you need Jesus? Could I encourage you, Jesus, and he'll deal with whatever sin and failures in your life. But could we get them to the help first before we put them off? 
The first is, you know what? When you see someone dirty, what do you offer them? A washcloth, water, right? They know they're dirty. Give them what they need. They need Jesus. I'm not saying ignore the sin. God will deal with it. But let's get them to the Savior. All right? So he says, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. That's a priest. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's your ministry. You're to go out there and to reconcile people to Jesus. Why do we have to reconcile them to Jesus? They have a wrong image of Jesus. Because the church has failed miserably at portraying Jesus. And so when you mention Jesus to these people, they're going like, I don't even know Jesus. And you say, could I introduce you to the true and real Jesus? I know him personally. There's a lot of people that talk about him. But could I introduce you to the real Jesus? Because I'm an ambassador on his behalf. How many of you want to be ambassadors on his behalf? How many of you love him so much you just can't stop bragging on him? You want to talk about him? You're a priest. That's what you do. I, can't, I want to talk about Jesus. I want to share Jesus. And then secondly, not only to the lost, but also to the body of Christ. Your priests to the body of Christ. We need to make sure that we mediate among us. Because we have a hard time getting along too. Right? I said this before. The, it, it's a, I'll skip it. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, they all suffer together. If one member is honored, they all rejoice together. So we have to mediate between us. Let's get along. Let's enjoy each other. Someone's weeping, weep with them. Someone's happy, be happy with them. Let's, let's move and flow as one body working together that's what priests do they make sure that the family's getting along right all right this is simple you guys are good the second thing we do in mediation is intercession we intercede so it's this circular thing we intercede we go right back to god with our worship and gratitude and thanksgiving and in circular and intercession we go right back to god and ephesians says this 618, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We're praying all the time. And again, this is circular back to the top. As priests, we worship our God. We're thankful for our God. So I have no problem telling the Lord whom I worship and adore your situation. Let me get in on this with you because I love him and I know who he is and and I'm going to speak to him. Anybody else want to speak to God on someone's behalf? Could I ask you all to speak to God on behalf of Julie Scheich? Julie Scheich is at a place where she is critical. They've spoken of just days to live. That means the prayer warriors must intercede. We must intercede. 
So can we intercede to the God you love and the God you worship and the God you know through the promises as priests that you hold in your heart? You know the Word of God, and so you're offering them back unto God. And the time becomes sacred that I must pray now because someone in the body is critical in need. And the wealth that I have, I'm going to use to establish help. And, and the health, I understand they're sick, so I understand sickness. I'm going to pray and break that power of that thing and I'm going to reconcile with God and intercede on their behalf. Does that make sense to you, priests? Oh, I am so glad that we got a room full of priests. This world is not the same because you're here. You're here, priests. I want you to know this world would be much worse off if it didn't have this room of believers. You got to start thinking like that. Your neighborhood would be worse off if they didn't have you there. Well, why am I so special? Absolutely! You are! You're a priest of the Most High God! Your office is sustained by the High Priest Jesus Christ. You can enter into His office 24-7 with boldness and confidence. And your life is being kept. The blessings of God are being stewarded through you so that you release the blessings of God so that heaven comes to earth through your mouth. And through your proclamation. And that's why God was so upset with the priests in Malachi. Because he understood that everything in Israel pivoted off of them maintaining the blessings of God. And it is essential that this room of people get into the place of their priestly office. Summarizing ministry to God through prayer and worship and maintaining the Word. Secondly, maintenance unto the Lord with your time, your wealth, and your health. And thirdly, your mediation where you reconcile people to Jesus and you intercede on their behalf. And God concluded His conversation to the priests in Malachi and said, They shall be mine says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, that's the church, I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. He said, I'm looking for a holy priesthood, a royal nation of people. You're the church. You're his righteous ones called out, separated from a wicked world. And it's time we look different, talk different, act different than that world out there. And if we can't make the distinction, He'll make it for us. How many of you are priests of the Most High God this morning? How many of you will stand in that office? Stand with me this morning. Stand in the office of a high priest. The high priest of Jesus Christ. We follow Him. He's our high priest. And we will take the responsibility of that office. Father God.